there's a how and a what. The what is the accounting, the medicine, the paramedic, um, the nursing, the truck driver. The how is the communication, the teamwork, the resilience, everything that lays over top of that and how you do that job. And you need a balance of the two. How can a set of skills lead you down the path to success? That's what we're setting out to answer on the Ed Up Canada podcast. I'm your host, Michael Sangster. Join me as we unpack how leaders around the world have taken training and skills and turned that into a lasting career. Now let's learn together. Welcome, everybody, to the first and inaugural edition of Ed Up Canada. Can't be more excited here. My name is Michael Sangster. I'm the CEO of the National Association of Career Colleges, but I just couldn't be more excited to be here today launching this new podcast that's going to talk about learning uh, around post-secondary education in Canada. Our conversations during the podcast series will be running over the next year. We'll focus on business leaders, students, educators, political and not-for-profit leaders. I want to talk about real-life experiences, issues of facing workforce development in Canada, uh, decisions that learners and employers and government leaders take in planning education in our country. And we're also going to talk about mentors, mistakes, and success. This isn't going to be focused on the career college sector. It's going to be focused on post-secondary education in Canada and those decisions that people make on a daily basis on their own career paths, their own families' trajectories. And we're really excited and looking forward to seeing where these conversations go. And with that, I, I, I couldn't think of a, of a better person to, to start with than, than Krista Pauly. Krista is the founder of, of Wavemakers in Canada, but she's, she's much more than that. She's, she's a leader. She's a mentor. She's an innovator. And I'm fortunate enough to call her a friend. Uh, she is truly one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in this country. If you go coast to coast to coast, she's inspiring and has has challenged and, and changed education in our in our country by by launching wave makers and, and a lot of work that they're doing. So with that, Krista, welcome. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm really glad this is a podcast because that way people can't see me blushing so much for that really overly generous introduction. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to be the inaugural guest. Well, wow, I couldn't think of anybody better when I when I, we got started on this. We sent out fifty invitations, and and I was excited to see that you you were willing to join us on this journey. You've started your own conversation around workplace uh, integrated learning, around training in this country. And you're doing some incredible things. So uh, I'm looking forward to having a, having a conversation about that. But we're going to have three questions we ask everybody, and we're going to start off with one. Every one of our guests is going to have to answer these really really difficult questions. So. All right, I'm ready. You ready? Okay, I'm so ready. we're going to start off with one of them. And it was, if you were able to revisit a moment in your educational journey and make one single change, what would it be? Ooh, that's such a good one. Um, if I could revisit, I think I would go back to my first year of university and I would take an even bigger variety of courses. Because I went into post-secondary with this mindset that somehow I was supposed to know what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I went in with a lot of anxiety over that, trying to figure out what that was going to be. 
And so I tried to narrow down in that first year. And I will be very transparent in that what I went into in first year is not what I wound up. Well, it's not all that I wound up finishing with. Um, And the programs that I wound up enjoying the most were ones that I kind of accidentally fell into. And so I always wonder what else might I have fallen into if I had been less rigid. Um, You know me well, I'm a fairly type A personality and fairly goal driven. Um, So I'd been pretty specific about what I was going to do. And I think I've probably missed out. I've been fortunate to be able to unlearn some of the things that I did. Um, But I, I would have loved to have had more variety early on to figure out other things that might have been of interest. Interesting perspective. I didn't expect that. That's that, that's a good view. I've I've, uh, um, I've I've seen some of the learners that come through our institutions that are on a new path now, and I think that that kind of lines up with some of the things that they talk about when I when I go speak at graduation ceremonies or at intake ceremonies at career colleges across Canada. So that, that's a uh, that's an interesting perspective. You you and I have a long history. We know each other from Parliament Hill days and 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 charitable days in in Ottawa. I'm intrigued about your story around the founding of Wavemakers, because this was a, I was caught off guard. So what inspired you to start the venture? So um, Wavemakers has been, I will say it's a collaborative innovation in that it came out of conversations with people who I deeply admire and respect. I was working, delivering very high-end executive training um, and this is the kind of stuff that, you know, the banks and the consulting companies pay you several tens of thousand dollars per, per attendee to join and wound up having a conversation with a truly inspiring indigenous leader who, um, brought me flowers. um <laughs> a truly inspiring indigenous leader who raised the question of imagine if all learners who wanted to have access to this kind of learning in Canada could have access to it. And imagine if we really embrace that. And we not only said those who've already identified as, as learners, but those who may not even imagine themselves as learners because they see too many barriers. And so I love a good challenge. Um, I'm also somebody, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm deeply motivated by social impact and by, I've had a really, I've been very fortunate in my career. I've been able to do a lot of really cool things. And I'm at that point in my life where it's like, you know what, it's not about the title. It's not about the money. It's about what you leave behind and the positive impact you can make. And I don't care if my name's on it. Um, I just want to make that change. And so working with that leader and another, a number of others who I kind of tapped on the shoulder and said, Hey, what if we did this? And I was very fortunate to have some of the most amazing, brilliant humans I've ever met agree to come on board and help me with this journey. We came up with Wavemakers and what Wavemakers is, is a work integrated learning program that we went back and we threw everything out. We said, imagine if we applied what's called universal design. And universal design, I like, I'd rather say it's inclusion by design. It's where you start from a point of how do we make this inclusive and accessible to everybody? And if we do that, then 
anybody can join. And how that's different from what currently exists is most of our systems today have been designed for the able-bodied, um, what is deemed neuronormal, um, cis individual who lives in an urban environment, has access to high speed and doesn't have a lot of social or economic barriers that would prevent them to access what work integrated learning is. And for those who are going, what is work integrated learning? Because um, I definitely came into the space. Um, I don't understand that acronym. I was just um, going to ask you that myself, yeah, just to make sure that people get it right. Internships and co-ops, any work experience um, and learning experience that comes together. So these are those opportunities for learners to actually collaborate with employers and practice the capabilities that they're learning in a work environment and learn from those employers and build those networks. And we know that these are absolutely critical experiences for learners' future success. And so the fact that so many Canadians were being left on the bench and weren't able to create those networks, weren't able to build those connections, that's really a drain and a limitation on Canada's capabilities. And what bothered me most about this is that these are exactly the brains that we need to help Canada lead into the future. These are the people who are thinking differently, who are natural innovators, who bring multicultural perspectives, and who bring that diversity that we keep hearing from McKinsey and others is absolutely core to an organization's success. And yet, because we hadn't designed for them, they were being left out. And so WaveMakers started from this point of let's design with all of these users at the core. Let's design for inclusion and let's see what that experience could look like. And by doing that, we started with that as the objective. Then we started saying, okay, what are some of those barriers? Well, working with my colleague in, in Northern Manitoba, one of the first barriers was geography. Uh, the reality was so many of the young, talented, indigenous people who are in his community were leaving that community because the only way they could access these types of opportunities was by leaving. Well, A, they don't want to leave their community. They want to stay in community. And secondly, it's to the detriment of the community to lose these young people. And so what we asked is, is there a way to keep young people in their community, keep them connected to that community and learning there and giving back to that community and still giving them access to these networks and these high value opportunities. And I'm somebody who believes in the positive potential of technology. I'm not, uh, I'm not a Pollyanna. I definitely see the limiting factors and that you have to go into it very deliberately and design um, in, in thoughtful ways. But this was a place where I looked and said, I think technology can be a service here. And so started working with some brilliant people. I looked at film industry. I looked at meetings. I looked at gaming spaces. And ultimately, we landed on a virtual reality platform. And this platform enables us to bring in world-class experts. So we're talking neuroscientists out of Stanford. Um, innovators who've worked with Mozilla and Google to work on prototyping with us. Some of the top social innovation leaders from around the world are coming in and connecting with our students, which is 
unbelievable. And they're doing it on this platform that we selected because it is inclusive by design. Now, the first question people get when I say Northern Canada and technology is, okay, but what about the bandwidth? Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely, it's a huge issue um, in the North and in many of our rural communities. I'm sitting in one of Canada's rural communities right now. And I can tell you that while I've been able to get 5G to this house, one community away, they don't have high speed and there's no cell coverage. So this is a real issue for Canada. And I feel remiss in not calling it out. Mm-hmm. With WaveMakers, we've been able to work around that to a certain extent in that the platform we've chosen is a download as opposed to running on a um, on a web-based platform. And what that means is we can run in a lower bandwidth environment. I always joke, well, it's not a joke. It actually happened to me when I was pitching this program to the government. Um, I had to go into one of these big cement buildings and I had this whole group of um, leaders around the table and they said, we're really excited to see your platform let's see it. And I said, great, can I get on your Wi-Fi? And they said, no, it's a secure Wi-Fi. I was like, fantastic. This is wonderful. I held up my phone. I had one bar on LTE and I tethered to my phone and was able to run the whole platform that way. So this low bandwidth solution is really important. And so it's not the fanciest of virtual reality experiences but it's the right one to meet the needs for this program to allow inclusion for these students. And that's really at the core. It's one example of, of how we've designed WaveMakers. We've also designed it in such a way that it removes barriers for some of our other students who really love us. We discovered that new Canadians and mature students love the program. And when we dove into that, what they loved about it, A, is yes, the fact that they can do it from wherever, because so many of them have other commitments. And so they they need to be able to have that flexibility, not add another commute or um, requirement for moving around that. Um, they also like the fact that it is a nine-session program that each session is only two hours long. So they can do it in either four or eight weeks, depending on how they want to take the program on. So it is a relatively fast program in the sense they can do it quickly, but it's still at an incredibly high quality. So if a student comes into our program and they have zero connections on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. by the time they finish our program, if they accept the invitations just from the people on our stages and from our team members, they will have over 50,000, 50,000 second level connections on LinkedIn and you hear second level, it's like, okay, what is that? That means that I know Mike and mm-hmm. Mike knows the person who I want to work for. Yep. That is the most powerful network for hiring. Uh, I, I, was, so, just, I yeah. was just about to say, what do you, what, is that what the students, what is the biggest skill the student leaves? Is it the network when they leave your program or is it the skill set or is it all? It's, it's all of it. And I think that's what's, what's so powerful is this isn't a checklist. But it's what we're seeing in learning. Um, for so long, we kind of approached learning as a checklist of, okay, I've done this, check, I've done that, check, but I don't understand how to bring them all together. And it's that applying the capabilities in collaboration with that network. So it's having that ability. We, we work on future proof capabilities. So we don't care what area of study any student comes in from, 
what year, what program. We're incredibly honored to be one of the only partners working with the National Association of Career Colleges because we want to have career colleges as part of this. I've also had PhDs as part of this. And it's amazing when you bring them all together because that's what the reality of the workforce is. Mm -hmm. Our workforce isn't homogeneous around educational or social backgrounds. If you work in a large organization, you're going to get great diversity. So learning to work and to thrive in that environment is key. And so learning to communicate effectively, learning to navigate uncertainty and have resilience and combining that with a robust network, being able to reach out with confidence to somebody who you wouldn't have reached out to before and introduce yourself and say, these are the things that I know. And I have a work project that I can show you that is a world changing idea because they work on a, a specific project in our program based on the sustainable development goals that we didn't want to give them something small. We said, if you're going to come up with an idea, make it world changing, make it something big that can inspire you. And this also brings out the energy in the students. And they're so proud of what they've created and what they've been able to build together. And yeah. that sense of agency is really what's so important because when these students can see what we see in them and can communicate that, what it opens up is just a world of possibility. And it's really exciting. Your, your infectious excitement <laughs> still is there and still comes across. We've not been in a room together probably in 15 years, but I can still feel that, that, that energy from you on this project. You're really excited about what you're doing, aren't you? I am. And it's, it's because of our students. Um, I tell a story of a young woman who came into our program. She's from Newfoundland. Um, she is a person with a disability. Uh, she didn't share that at the beginning and we never asked people. It's voluntary to, to disclose. And, but we did notice she was very quiet at the beginning of the program. And we take a very personal, we don't do huge classes. Um, we make a point of getting to know all of the students in each of our cohorts because it is important to be able to design an experience that works for them. Um, so I started talking with this young woman and helped try to bring her out, get her. She'd been, we have a text way of communicating or open mic. And so slowly but surely she started communicating more on open mic. She had an amazing mentor um, who really showed her um, all of the talents. It wasn't that she developed those talents. It's that she put a spotlight on those talents and helped this young woman identify what they were um, and helped her see what again, what we saw in her. And between that first session and the final session where she was part of a group doing this presentation of her idea, she just blossomed is the best word I can come for. And she came up to me at the career fair because we do a career fair at the end of our sessions where the students get to meet with employers from across the country in over 40 different industries. And she said, you know what? For the first time in my life, I feel seen for my abilities and not my disability. And nice. that that just got me. And I think I've told you that part of the story, but I haven't told you the continuation because it actually gets better. I didn't think it could, but it does. Um, so not only has this young woman now actually agreed to be part of our advisory board so that we can continue to design a program that meets her needs as well as needs of students like her, and she can give that input. But about a month ago, for the first time, she was a keynote speaker uh, on a major panel 
talking about education and students with disabilities and how to create inclusion for them. And she didn't show up as an avatar. She showed up as her full self. And I don't know, other than like the pride I show in my children, I don't know that I could have felt any prouder or any more excited for somebody than watching her take the stage and just speak with this energy, passion, and knowledge. And that to me is success. Oh, that's a, that's an incredible story. I appreciate you sharing it and for her sharing it too, letting us letting us understand it and hear it. So let me just change tax for a little bit. We'll come back to Wavemakers because it's exciting, but I wanted to just touch one of those three questions. We want to, we want to book, we want to build a collection of stories of, of kind of leaders that I've looked up to and who have some thoughts to share people I've worked with friends. So what's the aspect of your career that's taken you most by surprise? Oi. Um, I would say the aspect of my career that's taken me most by surprise is I wound up in an area of expertise that isn't what I studied, yet what I studied wound up helping me be the expert that I was. Mm. And so what I mean by that is um, through my career, I wound up specializing in and around communications, um, crisis communications. I have I have more experience dealing with disasters than most people I know to the point my husband jokes that nobody would want to work with me because it seems to be that I wind up with the big ones. Um, and yet I didn't study communications in, in university or anywhere formally. Um, my, my official areas of study were political science, world history, and religious studies. And that's the one that usually gets people because I, I have deep respect for people who are religious and spiritual, um, but I have no aligned affiliation. I just had wanted to do international development. And at the time that I was studying, it didn't exist as a program. So I tried to kludge together something that would make sense. And what I learned in those courses and what they have in common is an ability to look at past lessons, understand where misunderstandings or where communication was core, look at and understand different perspectives and see that and be able to analyze it and try to figure out how different people would come to a different conclusions and how there might be opportunities for different conversations. And so those are really core capabilities that I needed to be a great communicator and to be able to work. Um, I've worked across 56 countries. Mm -hmm. um, I've been able to work in the public sector, the private sector, uh, the social profit sector. I really feel like I've been incredibly fortunate, but it wasn't linear and it wasn't something that showed up on one diploma. And then it was, okay, I'm going to go do this. And I think that's something to recognize is that there's opportunities that we're presented with that may not be exactly what we thought we were going to do. But if they're interesting to us and they're a place, I am a voracious learner. I mm -hmm. am insanely curious about so many things. I have more unread books on my shelf because things interest me. Um and so if, if you're somebody like that, I would encourage you to follow it. Don't fight it. 
Um, don't feel like you have to be in a box because it'll open up really cool opportunities. And that's certainly what's happened for me. And I feel incredibly fortunate, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a surprise for me in my learning journey. Well, it's an interesting perspective. I see every day in the, in the career colleges and it's my own career path sitting on a golf cart one day, a uh, family are involved with, with three high-tech firms and uh, sitting in a golf cart one day and they'd want a big contract in, in Ottawa. I had some experience in Ottawa and the partner that was involved in that company turned to me. And by the time we were done the round of golf, I was moving to Ottawa and announced it at dinner to my two brothers and my father. And I was off to uh, Ottawa to, to set up an office for us there and, and run some, it was never a plan. It was never what I thought I'd be doing. And it just kind of happened and it was for the best. And it just, it's gone from there. It's led to so many adventures and, and, and new learnings and new opportunities. And like you, it opened the door for me to work all over the world. And I've, I've gone from one thing to another. There's no path, I think is one of the messages that I want to get across during these, these interviews. There's no path. There's no decision you make that puts you somewhere for the rest of your life. I was in that sector in high tech. And then I went over to do telecom and then I went over to do aerospace. And now I'm in this career college sector and I'm here just out of a passion, having met them and seen what they do every day, training learners and, and the average learner at a career college is maybe in their late thirties, a female, a single mother, a parent, it's a different kind of student. And it's the same thing you're facing. Um, so I, I got to put you on the spot a little bit because okay. you're in a unique spot. You deal with learners you deal with educational institutions, you deal with governments, and you deal with employers. So I'm interested in some of the key trends and challenges that you see in workforce. We all know there's a massive shortage, uh, labor shortage across the country in just about every role. Uh, we're, we're getting, uh, I was out in Vancouver last week at a Sprottshaw College, and, and they were announcing the, the introduction of their new paramedic program that they've been approved for, and massive shortage of paramedics, which we wouldn't think of, nursing, um, truck drivers, cybersecurity. So I'm interested, what are you seeing as key trends, challenges in workforce development in Canada? So, or just in the workforce landscape? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, thank you. This is actually what I'm happy to take on because okay. it's, it's what I'm pretty passionate about. Um, I am seeing a few different trends. I'm starting to see, and I will say, I'm seeing it earliest in career colleges, polytechnics, I'm seeing a transformation in the learning institutions to a recognition that it's not it's not about the name of the certificate. It's about what you can do and actually working directly with employers to understand that link um, that for so long we've been educating or training people with the prospect of employment, but not directly aligning those pieces. And that's really a challenge. It's discouraging to learners because they put all of this time and effort into learning and they come out and there's no jobs. Um, it's discouraging to employers who are looking for these smart, capable learners. And when they connect with them, they're like, okay, but I need you to be able to do this so that we can even start there. So I'm starting to see that evolution in in learning methodology and I'm starting to see pedagogy move faster. Um, we're working with some, I have to show it like um, the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, Ontario Tech, Laurier University. Those are some that, that really shine out, actually Dalhousie as well, um, mm. that stand out for me and some of our partners as the ones who we've, we've come to them and they're like, 
yeah, let's do it. And it doesn't take two years because that's a really important change in learning. And it's getting that right balance of, yes, you want the rigor and the quality, but you also need to make sure that you're not lagging what industry needs and what students need to be able to learn. I'm also seeing a recognition from a student perspective of the fact that they want to learn how to think. They want Mm. to, and they're starting to understand that, that the job space and the employment space is going to be constantly changing and that the roles that are available to them today are likely going to look very different. And the role that they may wind up as kind of their career may not even exist today. So understanding that the core capabilities that they need need to be those things that are transferable Mm -hmm. and that they can take to different spaces. So we talk a lot, and I love this concept of T-shaped leaders. And what a T-shaped leader is, is somebody who has great breadth of experience. So they are strong communicators. They're strong executors. They have an ability to to think systematically. Um, They work well in teams. And then, so that's the the top of the T, that's the breadth piece. And then there's a depth to them. And that's the area that they say, and I want to apply this in this area. So for me, that was in communications. And so having that T-shaped leader enables you to move across different opportunities and still bring an area of expertise. And I'm seeing this show up more and more um, in students where it's an area that they're interested in. I'm starting to see it show up more and more in the post-secondary. And I am absolutely seeing it as a demand from employers where they're saying, I can upskill in our specific area that we work in. I don't expect students to be able to come in and know everything about what we do. But if they could come in with that breadth of experience at the top of the T and some expertise that we can leverage off some of that depth of the T, then that sets them up to be successful within our organization. And so there's a huge demand for that. And it's really interesting. Yes, employers are absolutely looking like if you're going into accounting, they want you to know how mm-hmm. to, to do mm-hmm. a spreadsheet and how to do balance sheet and your P&Ls. Um, if you're going into medicine, they expect you to have that background. But they're expecting more than just that expertise. They're looking for the top of the T because you may be a physician who winds up running a hospital or a research team. And it may be a whole different path that gets you there. Um, You may be somebody in communications like myself who goes in at one point and you're starting in political Mm -hmm. communications that's highly targeted and ultimately wind up working in crisis communications for not-for-profit organizations. So you can take a whole bunch of different paths with that that depth of tea that'll get you into a bunch of different spaces. And it's a place that I see emerging. I haven't seen too many organizations name it yet, but if I was Mm -hmm. to look at some of those themes, that's really what I'm seeing. And, And I guess what I would encourage is both is all of these sectors to recognize it, call it out, and support it. So educational institutions look at not only making somebody an expert in in what they're studying, but give them that umbrella set of capabilities that's going to enable them to be successful as they enter the workforce. For students, 
think about not just that area of expertise, but think about how you're going to do it. And this is um, one of our partners articulated this beautifully is in, in work, there's a how and a what. The what is the accountant, the medicine, the paramedic, um, the nursing, the truck driver. The how is the communication, the teamwork, the resilience, everything that lays over top of that and how you do that job. And you need a balance of the two. And for so long, we focus a lot on the what without the how. And those who have the how right now are the ones who are thriving because when disruption happens, they're able to take that how and apply it in different ways. And then employers, I would highly encourage, and I'm seeing more of this, as you look at doing the interview process, as you look at the recruitment, take an open perspective on it. Don't just look at the what of credentials. Don't just look at the what of specific institutions. Look at the complete how of the person in front of you. Look at how they're communicating, how they're showing up, what else in their lived experience they bring to the table. Because Mike, you talked about um, your students being more mature, single moms. Well, I got to tell you, if you want somebody who is going to be able to run something on time with precision and be able to navigate uncertainty, there is nobody like a single mom to be able to do that. I, yeah. I got another group that we're doing a lot of work with, and that's veterans. Of course. And I can tell yeah. you the employers line up to hire them because they've got a lot of those skill sets. They want those intangibles around show up to work, get the job done, no drama, move on to the next thing. They're incredibly uh, sought after, and yeah. we're retraining many of them in our institutions. A great story in, in Ottawa, Willis College, where they're, they're retraining a bunch of some uh, veterans into cybersecurity professionals. And it's an incredible story going in, some of them going back into D&D in different roles, some of them being current serving people that are going through that program. And, and that's just another group of people that can come through at a different point in their life, add a layer of skills and go do something different. But they've got those, those t- intangible day-to-day skills already in the bank, ready to go. And that's one of the biggest trends I'm seeing from employers. They're looking at our graduates as people who are ready to go to work. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's a huge thing. And, and college and university has a role and we have a role. There's everybody has a role in this education system we have. So well, gonna, I have uh, to, I have to shout out, um, former military situational awareness is yeah. such a key capability these days. Yeah. And that is exactly what our veterans are, are known for and their capabilities. And I mean, I, we've had a number of students who are, are uh, vets as well. And that ability to see and think in systems and be aware, what they used to use to be aware to the little rustling in the leaves is now the thing that goes off. Like cybersecurity, and I'm a huge fan of Willis College and the work that they're doing. Yeah. Um, but that's a great instinct in that space because well, they may not be able to put their finger on exactly what it is that's got their spidey sense going. They have it. And it's, not it's, right here. it's something that I've heard called out multiple times, especially in that sector. That's interesting. I'm going to do two more quick ones for you sure. and we'll wrap it up. But but let's let's get back to Wavemakers. Well, why should a student do it and how do they do it? And and what does that what does that entail? What does that look like for them? Yeah, thanks. Um, so I'd say the most often question I get from students is, Really, there's no catches because Wavemakers is a completely free. Um, if you are a Canadian student in any post-secondary, 
education institution. So I definitely massive shout out and invitation to all of the students at the career colleges across Canada. You are welcome. This is a big invitation to you to come and participate. Anybody in a college or a university, polytechnic, um, this is open to absolutely all Canadian post-secondary students, permanent residents, or people under protected status. Um, not only is it free, but because we recognize that there are lots of barriers to students being able to participate, there's also a $200 financial support available to students. And this can be used for everything from paying for your internet bill and your electrical bill to mm-hmm. childcare. So we want to make sure that everything gets out of your way to be able to participate in this. It is, as I said earlier, it's a really quick program. Um, you can complete it in either four or eight weeks. You come out of the program with trusted digital credentials that are yours to control, that you can show up on your LinkedIn profile. You finish this with that network of over 50,000 second degree LinkedIn connections. You are able to walk into an employer's office and introduce yourself as the graduate of the world's first national work integrated learning program that's delivered entirely in virtual reality. You are able to show them how you've applied the 10 most critical future-proof capabilities. And then to demonstrate how you've applied that, you're able to pull out a portfolio project, a world-changing idea, and show them how you delivered that with a group of complete strangers Mm -hmm. in either four or eight weeks. So this is a program that was designed with students, with enterprise, with educational institutions to set students up to really shine and to show that confidence and all of those capabilities walking into whatever opportunity they wanted. And I will say for our students as well, there's also a $2,000 scholarship for each cohort. So really the question isn't why would they do it? It's why wouldn't you do it? Because there's nothing but upside here. How do they find you, Krista? They can find us at wavemakers.network. And it is a really quick application process. Once you're accepted in within 24 hours, one of my team members is going to reach out to you. We are real humans. We're going to connect with you to answer any questions you might have, make sure that we found a cohort date that works for you and understand anything that you might need to help you be successful within the program. So this is, this is a big program that is deeply personal and yeah. we'll get to know all of you. So I heard free to free to people. So quickly, if it's free to people, who's helping you? Somebody's making that work. They are. So a huge thank you to the government of Canada. We are supported by um, ESDC and the the Innovative Work Integrated Learning Program. So um, as you're hearing innovative in there, I have to give a massive shout out because we are the world's first. And the fact that the government took the chance on a program like this and that we're seeing such great success. Um, We're just thrilled and and full of gratitude for that. It's I'm always reminded of the uh, Rex Murphy joke where we were hosting a dinner for the Ottawa police one night and he he said, uh, we're a stone's throw away from Parliament Hill. And I'd usually recommend we go throw a few. We don't spend enough time celebrating the success stories, the things that government have done and they've taken up, taken risks and, and stepped forward to make something happen. So uh, and, and I'm guessing with the timing of your program, has it been all within one government or is it two governments that have supported this? 
So it was actually the conservatives who started um, the the work integrated learning program and and the SWIP um, and then the liberals who've continued it. So what I love about this is it's not political. I think it's it's an issue that every single I've gone through every single party's platform and there's nobody who is opposed to ensuring that all Canadian learners are connected to employment that enables Canada to leave lead and thrive in our growing economy, especially those individuals who've been facing barriers. And I mean, at Wavemakers, 97% of our students self-identify at least one diversity attribute and 90% two or more. And these are people who've been left on the sidelines and now are moving into opportunities that are really exciting. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, this is beyond politics. This is about supporting our communities, supporting our learners, supporting our employers, and just making Canada stronger all around. And that happens in Ottawa more than people realize. We focus on the negative stuff that goes on, but there's so many of these great stories that come out of governments. Yep. And, and we need to I would stop say- and applaud them and say, good on you, good job. So I did want to call that out so that we had a moment to talk about it. So I, I want to wrap up with a question. And yes. this is the third one we're going to ask everybody. So now anybody in the future is going to be able to you know, be, be ready more than you were, but we've all had that person. We've all made those decisions in education, but who was that mentor? Who was that person in your career that meant more than anybody that guided you or was your rock that you called on? Um, I have been really fortunate in that I've had a number of mentors and I'd, I'd be hard pressed to point to just one because I would say there's been people from a career perspective, but there's been people from a human perspective. Mm-hmm. And I like combining those two and not separating them out. Because you tell us a story about one. You're on the Absolutely. record. You're not picking one. You're not picking one. Absolutely. So tell us a story about one and the impact they had. Um, so I have the privilege of working with a woman, Dr. Pat Meredith. Pat, um, some people may be familiar with her. She was the chair of the Canadian Payments Task Force. Uh, It was a task force that was set up by Minister Flaherty back in 2012. Um, And Pat, for those who who don't know her, was the first woman in Canada to report directly to a bank CEO. She led strategy for CIBC. Um, She was a senior consultant with Monitor. Um, She has a bunch of other firsts under her belt. So she's kind of, she's one of those people. But she was also somebody who took the time to raise a son who is one of the most incredible humans I've had the pleasure of knowing and who put her career and her values um, in alignment and set, set that model for others around her and has been a giant role model for me because she was that example of how you can be a strong, fully present um, woman who is successful in spaces where there may not be as many people who look like you. Um, I will say I was young for a lot of the roles that I had, so I often felt like the odd one out. Um, and also respect the values that you have as a, as a human, where if you want a family, um, it's not an either or choice. Sometimes you can't have everything all at once. Um, but what I've learned from her is the ability to recognize what's important to you and how to mm-hmm. make those choices. And moreover, the piece that I learned from her, and, and she's got this real commitment to an idea 
called inclusive governance. The importance of as you're creating something, bringing all of the voices to the table and making sure that everybody is is able to see themselves as you create solutions, as you work together so that it's not a single individual or entity leading the band, but that you're actually working together in collaboration, that we focus on dialogue rather than debate. And that for me and and working with Pat has probably been one of the most transformative experiences because it's changed how I look at things. I don't look at things and go, do we have all of the power brokers there? I look and say, whose voice aren't we hearing? Who needs to be at this table? Um, and it changes how I parent. It changes how I think, how I've created wave makers, how I engage with other people. Um, that, that perspective, it changes how you think of things. And it frankly makes your life a lot better because you welcome more people in. And it enables you to see and understand different perspectives. And I think it's something that as I look across our political spectrum, be it here in Canada or on a mm-hmm. global level, we could use a lot more of. Um, yeah. That may be the understatement of the episode. We could use so, a little bit more of that. So I, I, on that, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to wrap up, Krista. I, I, I have to thank you for opening yourself up to this, to being honest and frank about a couple of topics and some new ideas. I've now thought of this idea of a T-shaped leader. I think that's a, a really nice way of describing some of the people that all levels of post-secondary education are trying to train. We're all trying Absolutely. to find that way to create that fully rounded employee, uh, team member who, who leaves the organization, who leaves a, an educational institution and goes to work. And, and some of them come to us that way. Yep. And then you give them a new depth, as you said it. So I thought that was very interesting. And I, I want to highlight the, the 97% of your students mark themselves as diverse. And, and I think yeah. that's it's, so obviously the work that you're doing. I didn't ask you very quickly, how many students have been through the program? We are, that's a very good question because we just graduated. I want to say we're over 300 at this yep. point, which I'm thrilled with to start from a, start from nothing to go to that. Yep. Um, and I am hopeful that within the next couple of months, I'll have, I, you can do a little update to this and we'll have some, some very exciting news that I'm, I'm uh, I'm very excited to, to be able to share. You, you uh, know, so. I'll, you know, I'll have you back at some point because uh, you are an inspirational leader and a mentor in this country who is guiding something special and different. Uh, you just need to think about someone in Brandon, Manitoba or north of Brandon, Manitoba, who's getting an education sitting in their house uh, or sitting in rural Newfoundland uh, and being able to participate with a student from downtown Vancouver. And that's the kind of thing that we need more of in this country. So I congratulate you for that. I thank you for joining us. I hope that the coming episodes have these same kind of conversations with people, a little bit about themselves, about what they're doing, about what's going on in this country. And we look forward to inviting more business leaders, political leaders, and community leaders to join us to talk about their own experiences. There is no path, as I said. Uh, there is no one path that we all follow that, that starts with making one decision that takes us to an educational institution. Our paths all change over time. And some of them come full circle and you end up back in the same place you started before. Uh, I look forward to seeing again in, in, in uh, person soon, Krista. We got we to gotta arrange that. It's been far too long. Uh, thank you for joining. Enjoy Nova Scotia. And uh, thank you all for joining us today.
Thanks so much, Mike. And I'm going to take my last seconds just to recognize you because you just said some nice things about me, but I want to recognize the work that you've done and the passion that you're showing in in bringing diverse voices to this table and to others and to recognizing students from coast to coast to coast and the incredible work that's being done by career colleges that I don't think enough people know about. So I'm super excited to to support and be part of this conversation and really share all of these opportunities. And again, congratulate you on the work that you're doing, because I think it's going to make a difference, not just for the career colleges sector, but for Canada. And I know that that's something that you care very deeply about. So I do. Congratulations. Thank you. I've quickly become a cheerleader for this sector. They do amazing work and you just have to show up at one graduation ceremony and see a 45-year-old mother uh, with her husband and children in the crowd who just graduated from an institution and going on to become a personal support worker and to see the pride and the tears. uh, It's a special thing to be a part of and I'm honored to be part of it. And thank you for your words. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ed Up Canada podcast. We release new episodes regularly, so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you know when they are officially out. If you love this episode, please leave a four or five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts so that others can also discover how a set of skills can lead to success. Thanks for learning with us.